Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? This is your boy, the dope-ass dude, and I am so very excited about being here on tonight. I am ready for tonight's conversation with our guest because he is a phenomenal guy, and he has a story that I know is going to be so inspiring to each of you. So I am really excited about having him on tonight. So just a couple of things before we get started here. You already know, you know. If you don't mind, uh, stop right now, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and then while you are there subscribing to the channel, please click on the notification button so you can be notified anytime there is a new episode uploaded to the YouTube channel. And then if you're not following me on TikTok and Instagram, please go out and follow me on both uh, the Dope Ass Dude podcast on both of those. And lastly, if you're on the go and you don't have time to sit down and look at the podcast on YouTube, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So you can find the podcast out there. So yeah, if you... Uh, on the go, you can always get us. So tonight, I'm really excited about having our guest on this guy. I followed him for some time on Instagram, and he posts some of the most amazing pictures, and you can just feel his energy through his page. Uh, he's very inspiring, and he is intentional about living his life to the fullest. So I'm really excited about having him here. He's a father, he's a minister, and he's a new resident of Texas. He's been here for a couple of years now, but you know, we will go ahead and welcome him on in. But I'm really excited to have him here on the show tonight. And we're going to go ahead and bring him on out. Patrick, what's up, man? Mr. Dope Ass Dude, how you doing, man? I'm amazing. How are you, dude? I'm great. I'm great. So tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Well, first of all, a little correction. I've been in Texas since 2009. So uh, I'm one of the original Californians that moved here. You know, back when you had to learn how to be a Texan uh, was when I moved here in 2009. But uh, I'm originally from California, grew, born and in, in bred in the, in the L.A. area, little town called Duarte, California. Uh, is where I went to school, went to USC for college, didn't finish, dropped out. Actually, they kicked me out, but uh, <laughs> uh, got into management and um, started my career and the rest is history. I actually moved to Texas in 2009 with a job transfer and I loved it so much I decided to stay. Wow, wow, wow. And yeah. he 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 calls himself one of the original Californians that moved here. See, he's still attached to California. True Texans. We 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 are just Texas. We're just Texas. But we're gonna we're gonna let you come on in, man. You've been hey, here. Well, listen, listen to this. I, I bought my first cowboy hat this year. So it oh, took wow. me uh what what is that, 14 years to buy me a cowboy hat. Maybe one of these days I'll get some boots too. But dude, you're doing better than me because I don't have a, ha a hat or boots. So you're doing better than me. Have you been to the Fort uh, Worth Stockyard? Have you been there? I have. I actually had uh, season tickets last year to oh, wow. the rodeo. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody says it's like so cool to go to. I haven't been there, you know, myself either. So all I can say is Bulls Night Out. That's the night you want to go when the Bulls are right. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, is that just one time or is uh, it? I actually think they have two dedicated nights that are 100% bull rides 
But other than that, it's I enjoy the cowboy shows and the, the guys doing the lassos on the back of the horses and all that. But my favorite is to see those wild bulls coming out, man. Well, wow. I'm a tourist, so go figure. Wow, wow, wow. So, you know, Patrick, like I said, I followed you on the Instagram for a while, man. And I look at your page and it is, like I said, it's super inspiring. And you can just feel your energy through, you know, the page. And I know that you are big on intentional living. So let's talk about that. Let's let's yeah. talk a little bit. So how did you get to that mindset? Because that's really kind of like what it is. You, you got to get your mind there, make a commitment to do that. So how do you do that each and every day? You know what, man, for me, uh, first of all, I made a lot of mistakes, you know, a lot of mistakes throughout my life. I have not lived a perfect life. I am probably the poster boy for the dude with the most mistakes, <laughs> you know. Um, but you know what? A few years ago, I was in California visiting my family and uh, went to see my grandmother. In fact, it was Mother's Day. And my grandmother said, when are you going to start using all that talent God gave you for good? And those words resonated with me so deeply that at that moment, I could sense a change in my life. And, you know, slowly but surely, I started to unpack the layers, deal with my deal with my issues. Um, and uh, now, you know, thank God, because of his grace and his mercy and his unmerited favor, um, you know, I'm on top. But, um, you know, I always tell anybody, if it's any good in me, it's not because of me. It's because of the grace of God in my life. Yeah. Now, so let me ask you this here, because that is one thing I think that is a little bit scary for a lot of people. And that is like getting to a place where you deal with you. Yeah. You know, most times we jump from job to job or relationship to relationship because it distract us from dealing with the real problems sometimes, because sometimes yeah. we are our own in a me, yeah. you know? So how, how did you get there? And was it scary for you to start doing that? Um, you know what? Um, you know, you really don't know what you're going to find when you really start dealing with yourself. I think uh, to your point, it's easy for people to focus on other things, uh, especially other people, mistakes and problems that other people, uh, offensive that, offenses that other people have made towards you than to focus on, like you said, the in uh, me, what's in you, what you are do, doing. And um, what, you know, you I don't know that we ever really fully unpack everything. Um, however, you get to a point where you start realizing it's not really about the past. It's about the present and the future. I tell people that all the time. You know, I have I have an ex-girlfriend that hit me up um, a few months back and, you know, she was extremely apologetic for some of the things that she said to me or whatever she was apologizing for. And I stopped her dead in her tracks. I'm like, you know what? You don't apologies are not necessary. We have right now and we have the future. So let's just focus on that. And, uh, you know, that's 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 what I believe is propelling me to that intentional living going forward is, you know, trying to make good decisions today. I can't do anything about the mistakes that I made in my past. You know, there was a period of time during that unraveling process that I tried to make as many amends as I possibly could. I tried to pay off all the people I owe money to, not least of which 
my grandmother. <laughs> all the money that I owed her, all the money that I owed others, you know, money you borrow and forget to pay back, you know. Um, I, I did all that. I tried to make as many amends. In fact, I called some of my exes and apologized to them um, because I realized the, the level of, of hurt that I caused in their lives, you know. But it was just a season that I was in of making amends. But, you know, you can't do nothing about the past. You can't change the past. All you can do is make good, sound decisions um, right now, today, and going forward. Right. And I love how you say you can't do anything about the past because I think that is something that a lot of us, we try to correct the past. You know, and, and you said it's about the present and the future. And you're right. You cannot go back and correct the past. You just have to get to a place where you forgive yourself for the past. You know, extend grace to yourself and then also forgive people who have hurt you in the past. Because a lot of people still holding on to past things that have happened to them. Yeah. And they're waiting for someone to apologize. Uh, an apology is not going to always come. So you have to come to a place where you just say, hey, I'm good. Yeah. I'm, I'm just good. I don't need the apology. Forgive yourself or even allow them to do whatever they did to you and just keep it moving. Well, you know, John Patrick, you, you mentioned something about uh, forgiving yourself. Um, through therapy, uh, I actually went through several uh, bouts of, of therapy. But through therapy, I learned that, that healing is not a linear process. Uh, that's true when you are dealing with, um, you know, acute uh, hurt and pain that you're trying to, to get over. But it's also true as you're going through the process of, you know, building a better life for yourself. You know, you have good days and you have bad days. So that's why healing doesn't go like this. It's not a linear process. It goes like this. You know, you're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. Then you might have another bad day and then you're going to have a good day. You got to give yourself the ability and the freedom and the flexibility to be human. Um, there are going to be some days, you know, thoughts come up in your mind about things you did in your past. You know, what, you, what I found is that you just have to keep moving forward. And sometimes moving forward is just one step at a time. Yeah. Wow. I love that. I love that. And then, you know, you know, and you probably know this as well, Patrick, so many times we are our worst, you know, critic, our worst person, because we beat up on ourselves most times because we think, oh, I'm 40 or I'm 35 and I should have outgrown this and I should be able to just accept this and move on. And yeah. Wow. It's natural to think that way, I think, because, you know, naturally we work with other people. We are communal and uh, uh, relational people. So uh, you see people that, you know, I, I really, I wouldn't use the word envy, but I admire my friends who have made good decisions, who have, you know, beautiful families, who have one wife, you know, whom they have had all of their children with, and who have gone through and completed their education, gotten their master's and their doctorate degrees. I have friends at the millionaire level, um, and I truly admire them, you know, and sometimes when we compare ourselves with people, um, we real we, we get into those ruts where we uh, tend to look at where we are and think, you know, we're not good enough or that we we're, we wish we would have accomplished more. But I think, you know, really, honestly, God reminds me how extraordinary he made me. Um, and the one thing that I can tell you, which has been most helpful in my journey, 
is realizing I like me. <laughs> you know, I like me. And yeah. I don't have to be different. I don't have to. I'm not perfect, but I like me. You know, God uniquely equipped me and gave me the personality, the tools to influence others, to to use the good, to be humble, to 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 look out for my family, my children, my, you know, people that are within my purview. And I appreciate that. Um, so God reminds me all the time, you know, I may not be a guy with the doctorate degree, you know, or, or, or all of that, but I, I'm an extraordinary man. And uh, I accept that part too. Yeah, yeah. And the danger in, I'm glad you mentioned the comparison because the danger in comparing is you are comparing your reality to your perception of someone. Because we never know what people are doing to have what they have. We never know what they're doing to keep what they have. And we don't even know the hell that they are going through each and every day mentally, you know, just within themselves. So it is always best to just find happiness and peace within you and your own skin and what you have. Because you're better off than a lot of people. There's someone else looking at you like, dang, I wish I had what they had. And then you're looking, yeah, you got to. Just be grateful for what you have. Absolutely. Wow, wow, wow. So do so it seems as though your circle of friends is pretty wide. I mean, you have some really fascinating people. <laughs> uh that is not true. Um, I actually have a very small circle of friends. But they're good people though, right? Oh, yeah, they're excellent people. Yeah. They're excellent people, but very small circle. Okay, cool, I'm, cool. I'm kind of an introvert, man. I don't um I enjoy people and people argue with me about whether I'm an introvert all the time. They, they argue and tell me that I'm not an introvert, but I am an introvert because what gives me energy is the solitude and the peace of being in my own space in an environment that I can control and rebuild my energy in, you know, so, but I enjoy people. I have great friends. I have an awesome family um, and a great support system as well. So, that is awesome. That is awesome. So let's get into fatherhood. I don't oh. know that was something that you said that we could talk about on the, yeah, on the podcast. So the yeah. complications of fatherhood, and I'm just sure. using your words on that. So let's yes. talk about that. Why do you describe it as complications? Well, uh, when you have five kids and four baby mamas like me, it's complicated. <laughs> um, and I'm And I'm really happy that I'm at a point in my life where I embrace that. Because there was, I, I was listening to one of your previous podcasts, I think it was the one where you had all the guys on and you were talking about, you know, you mentioned at what point do you tell uh, someone that you have kids? And, you know, I was listening to the answers and a couple of them I kind of chuckled at because it reminded me of a period of time in my life where I would date and I would tell people that I have one daughter. And then that was just really uh, a way to protect myself from rejection. Um, and also, you know, honestly, I feel like a guy that lies to you about lies to a woman about how many kids is that he has is really only after one thing. I'm not going to say I was only after one thing, but I'm just saying, uh, you know, until I really was sure that I liked someone, I wouldn't be completely upfront with them about that. Um, I think one of the questions, if I recall correctly, again, was about when do you disclose that? Um, and, and naturally, women are inquisitive, uh, so they ask questions. So I think as soon as you, I don't think, you know, you have to like, 
you know, hey, these are all my these are all my issues. You know, I got five kids type thing. But, um, you know, you when you, you have to be honest and you have to embrace your reality. So for me, fatherhood is complicated because I have five kids and four baby mamas um, and I love my children, um, my family. I see my aunt in the in the comments will tell you that um, I, I've, I've tried to the best of my ability to be a great father. It hasn't always been an ideal situation because I left my three daughters in California when I left there in 2003 and moved to another state. And I haven't been back since. So it, it, it was never easy for me. Um, I think people perceived that it was because, you know, I was living in another state, living the single life at that time and, you know, had kids in another state and, you know, people make uh, perceptional judgments based on what they see. But what they don't know is every, t every single time I would go home, I remember my little girls were in school and I would visit them at their schools, usually right before I would get on the plane to come home. And man, I would leave that school and pull around the corner and literally pull on over to the side of the road and break down crying because it, it's never been easy to leave my girls. Um, we were talking before, my youngest daughter's in Chicago, and you know it's never easy. It, it, that feeling, now I don't break down as much anymore, unfortunately, because the sting of it kind of goes away over time, but it's never easy to be without my daughters. You asked me how, many, how often I'm able to, to go up to Chicago and see her, and the, the, the fact is, is it's never enough. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it, it, it's complicated. Um, but yeah. So. And that's, you know, that's the side and I'm, I'm, you know, so appreciative of your transparency about like how you say you would drive around the corner and break down. Cause that's the side of the story. We never really get from fathers, whether it is a woman telling her viewpoint of a father or sometimes fathers just not feeling in a safe space to be that vulnerable to say, hey, I broke down because I was leaving behind my girls. Wow, yeah. that's really good, man. Yeah. I that still is... feel that way, honestly. Um, they're in their 20s and, you know, my youngest is 12 and it's still not easy. When I And when I'm around them, I smother them with affection and love as much as I can because, you know, I got to make up for lost times. You know, my daughters are in their 20s and they can't stand when they when they see me and I grab them and I'm smushing my face into their cheeks. And I'm like, you know, you I don't care how old you get. You are my baby. You know what I'm saying? So um, it's still not easy. But again, you know, um, you can't you. The other lesson that, that uh, one of the other things that I live by is uh I can't do anything about things that I can't control. Um, I can't control the fact that I'm not physically able to be where my children are as often as I would like to be. How often would I like to be? Every single day. I would love to have my, in fact, I've implored them and compelled them, please move to Texas. They, you know, them California girls, they don't like Texas. Uh, my youngest daughter, she don't like, she don't like, uh, she don't like Texas. She said, dad's too hot in Texas. You know, uh, you know, of course, living in Chicago, she feels that way. So it's never enough, but you can't do anything about what you can't control. But what you can do is the best with what you have. And, and that's what I try to do as a father. I try to be there for them. I try to, you know, 
my one daughter, I tease her because you know she's I call her the Cash App princess. She's she she used to send me this long, drawn out explanation. Daddy, I need money for this, and you know, get this. I promise this is the last time I'm ever gonna ask you for money, and I'll pay you back. Of course, she knows I never let them pay me back. You know what I'm saying? So I get the cash app. Now it's just I don't even get an explanation. I just get the request. <laughs> I just get the request. So, so wow. yeah, you gotta do the best with what you have. So let me ask you this here: four baby mamas, four baby mamas there. So like how did that work your relationships with your baby, your children's moms? Because, you know, a lot of times men will hide behind the excuse of, well, my relationship is not good with the mom. So that's why I don't get the chance to see my kids. But it seems like, I mean, you're very active in your, your kids' lives, you know, with, you know, considering that you live here in Texas or whatever, how did you not allow that to impact your relationship with your kids? Well, Again, it's complicated. When you have a situation like mine and you have multiple women that you have children with, it is never an easy situation because sometimes one may feel that you're giving one another attention more attention than one. You know what I'm saying? What I what what boggles my mind is is how anybody could feel that way uh, when you know, like I, I I look at my love, the depth of my love for my children and think, how could you even make a comparison? Because I honestly love them all the same. Now, my baby girl's my baby girl. You know, everybody says, oh, Macy's your favorite. That's my baby girl's name. Her name is Macy. Macy's your favorite. Macy's not my favorite. She's just my baby. You know, she's the closest thing to a baby that I got. Um, but to be honest with you, and in full transparency, it hasn't always been easy. You know, um, my first wife, um, whose name I won't say on here. Um, as I, I have to, as as many struggles as we went through uh, together or between the two of us, I have to give her her kudos because I am so thankful in her intentionality in keeping my uh, two daughters that we had together uh, connected to me and connected to my family. And she never allowed anything literally never allowed anything to keep me away from my kids or keep my kids out of my life. So um, some of the others, not so much, but, you know, again, you know, honestly, man, I just look at it like this. I do what I can. What I can't control is not within, you know, you can't really, you can't really stress over. And again, with, with the situation that I have, you know, it, it sometimes can be very complicated. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, kudos to you, man, because you didn't let it keep you from being a father to your kids, you Absolutely. know, so that that is commendable alone right there. So that's good, man. So let me ask you this here. So how did or how does that impact your dating life? You know, we're talking about finding love. In our in in your forties, I'm in my fifties. So you in your forties. So like, let's talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> in your forties, like a, a lot of times, women think it's easier for men to date in their forties and their you know older age. They think it's easier for men to date. But I mean, do you find any struggles with dating? Are, are there sure. any? Want to talk about it? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let's have a word of prayer. Father God, in the name of God. Um, yeah, struggling with date. Honestly, it's not hard to date. Yeah. Not hard. It's easy to date. Uh, 
especially with the with the you know the dating apps you meet a lot of people a lot of people um what's hard is finding someone at this age that you know you can settle down with that you can merge your life with you know um i, I agree i think it is easier just from my perspective it is easier i think for men um in their 40s and men with children uh, to date than it is uh, women. Luckily for me, um, you know, most of my kids are at an age where even if I'm with someone, they don't have to, you know, it's not like we got to, you know, uh, when I was younger and I was remarried to my youngest daughter's uh, mother, um, you know, where we had to, I had to fly my kids to where I was and, you know, make a, make accommodations for them and include them in, in family trips and things like that. Um, you know, now they're they're old and they're doing their own thing. So it's not as difficult for me now because my kids are older. Um, and even my youngest daughter, she ain't got the time of day for me in the world. You know, she has her own life. She has two younger siblings with her mother. And so it's a lot. It, it, it's not daddy's world anymore. In fact, she gets tired of me reminding her because I have to remind her when she acts like she doesn't have time for me. You know, the first night you were born, you slept on my chest. Your last name is White. <laughs> you know, um, but um, it, it, honestly, at this stage, I don't feel like it's a barrier at all to um, to me dating. In fact, if I tell someone that I have five kids, a lot of times, you know, when you meet people on these online dating apps, you go through the 21 questions. The one that comes up pretty quickly with a lot of women is, do you have kids? And I say, yes. And they say, how many and how many baby mamas? That usually follows right after. So, you know, when someone unmatches with me on a dating app because of the answer to that question, I used to be disappointed. I used to try to prevent that from happening by not being upfront and honest. But honestly, man, now I'm thankful because that's a part of who I am. My, my, my kids are a part of my life. And um, just like a woman with kids, if, if 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 they're dating a man that can't truly love their kids, and I've been both a stepfather and obviously a father, um, and I feel like I was an outstanding stepfather as well. Um, but um, you know, if they if someone can't love and and embrace your children, they ain't the person for you. You know that you know that is just a part of the package. So, um, but. You know, again, it's not easy. So that's not as much of an issue, but there's so many other things uh, that um, make dating in your 40s complicated. Just talk about it. So many of these women are, you know, career driven and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a real man. You know, I, I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm not I would never label myself as an alpha man because I believe I'm humble and I'm flexible and I'm not convinced that it's my way or the highway or anything like that. Um, but I am a real man. So Okay, so what does real man mean? Because <laughs> I, I know they're thinking it. I know they're out there thinking like, he, he said he's a real man, so what does real man mean? In my opinion, this is my opinion, these views do not reflect the views of the dope-ass dude podcast. Uh, in my opinion, a real man is a man that dates and can afford to date, <laughs> number one. I remember hearing on your, uh, 
when you had the guys on. I, I wanted to be on that so bad, but it seemed like y'all all knew each other. I really enjoyed that podcast. But one of the things I thought about, like, like how are you requiring a woman to 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 put up money when you are just going out on a date? You know what I'm saying? So you, you know, think the man should pay regardless to whether he he asks or not? If she asks him out, he should still pay. A hundred. Well, I don't know. I've I've not been in a situation where uh, a young lady has asked me out. Okay. Okay. Um, so not initially. Um, again, um, if I guess that probably is the laws of attraction because if a woman is pursuing too much, I'm also not. It's, it's a turnoff for me, um, honestly. If she's, you know, I, I, I like to make the first move. I like to, you know, be not necessarily in control, but I like to present myself in a way that a woman can respect me. And to me, if I show up at dinner and all of a sudden my credit card is lost and I don't have no cash and you got to pay, or I'm even looking at you like, are you going to split your hat? I've even gone on dates where I didn't enjoy the date. I wasn't attracted to the person. And I still pay because that's just who I am as a man. Um, I guess, you know, being a father, having been married before, um, I just feel like there's just certain things that come with the territory. And I like to take care of me and mine. So if I can't afford the date, I'm not going to date. Okay. So does it turn you off if you go on a date with the woman and she has the expectations for you to pay and she makes it known? Absolutely not. Because okay. I have those same expectations of myself. I don't okay. go on a date where I expect anything other than to pay. Now, that's not to say that if a woman says, listen, I would prefer that we split the bill. If that's what she prefers, I'm probably going to argue with her a little bit. But if she's pushing pushing that issue and she wants to pay or she wants to pay her half, you know, it's not going to be comfortable for me because that's just not the type of guy I am. But right. But we'll acquiesce to that. But I've yet to be in a situation for me. What happens is if I'm dating someone for some time, eventually they'll get to the point where they're like, OK, I'm taking care of the check. And I'm like, look. My rule is don't wait till the check comes out to tell me you're taking care of it. It's too late. It's too late. If you plan on treating me to dinner or to a date, you need to make that known before we show up because we're not sitting at the table in front of the waitress or waiter arguing about who's paying. Take, take care of the check. Give me the check. I'm taking care of it, period. <laughs> okay. Now, do you run into that problem, though, with women wanting to pay and it's an issue when you pay? And... <laughs> no. Okay. I didn't, I didn't think so. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> I was just making sure. I was just making sure. No, so you you going down that. real man. So you, I mean, your nickname is real man. We got a Yeah, put that next to my name. Put that next to my name. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> So she, Yolanda says, career-driven women, a woman. Can you talk a little bit more about that? That's 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 probably my cousin. Anyway, um, <laughs> I don't. I I love a woman who has her own mind and her own. Um, that I, in fact, I prefer a woman who has her own and doesn't need me for 
her sustenance or, you know, to pay her bills. Honestly, what turns me off is these women with these preconceived notions about what a man is going to do. Um, I find whole women very attractive. So what I mean by whole woman, so I take that career-driven women and put it aside for a second. When I say a whole woman, a woman that can take care of herself, that's very attractive to me. And honestly, ladies who are listening, when you have the right man, you don't have to beg him for anything. A good man is going to want to do for you and not just ordinary. He's going to want to do the extraordinary. So I don't, you know, I'm not the type of guy that I've been married before. Um, I had my, my first wife was uh, a, a very career driven woman. Um, we have two kids together. In fact, she's a millionaire. You know, um, my uh, youngest daughter's mother was a stay at home mom. You know, um, I am open to being remarried again and having a stay at home mom as a as a wife or stay at home wife. But honestly, I, I want a woman that can that can add to my flow and add to my program. So I'm not intimidated by a career driven woman. I just want a woman that can accept a real man. <laughs> I told you trying to get me in trouble, man. No, I, I, and I told you, I just listened to what you say and I dive into it. So when you said, I'm going to ask it. So, okay. So what else we got? So what, what are the things that turn you off when you're dating that makes it a little difficult with finding love? What else you got? Um, Honestly, it's easier for me to talk about what turns me on. Uh, on? I'm, yes. Okay, let's go for it. I'm I'm attracted to femininity. You know what I'm saying? I like I like a woman that that carries herself in a very feminine way. Um, you know what I'm saying? I like not you know there there's not a certain style of dress. There's not a a certain thing. You know, I have very strong women in my family. Very. Uh, successful women in my family, so don't mistake anything that I'm I'm saying about femininity as weakness, per se. I think that's the mistake, and that's the travesty of today's society: femininity and masculinity. Well, let me say this: femininity in women and masculinity in man are undervalued. And I want to say this too masculinity is not synonymous with toxicity. <laughs> you can be a masculine man and it not be toxic. I was raised by women. You know, I was raised in a single, I was raised in a household with my mother, my grandmother, my great grandmother, my sister, my aunt, and my little cousin, who's also a woman. I was the only man in the house with six women. I had to open doors for them. You know what I'm saying? If I, if I walked out the door first, I had to stand there and open the door to the last woman that was coming out, came out. You know what I'm saying? I was raised by strong women. Um, uh, and, and thank God, you know, I was lost for many years in insecurity and a lot of other things. But thank God I have found myself as a man. Unfortunately, I didn't have a father figure or a male role model um, to give me that sense of confidence as a man that I needed. Um, I think I would have made a lot fewer mistakes if I had had a very strong, intentional man or male role model in my life. But 
thank God through the grace of God. And honestly, through the church, I was able to get around some men that I looked at that I could admire, that I could look yeah. up to. And uh, I found my manhood. Yeah. So, Patrick, go a little bit more into that feminine. And the reason I ask that is because a lot of times as men, we we say that how can women tell us what masculine is and they're not a man? They don't understand that. So, like, break down what you believe. And I'm going to he's not speaking. I think this is the thing, too, on a lot of shows. One man tries to speak for every man, and that's not every man's perception. That's not his belief, his thoughts, or whatever. So what is, like, break down, again, like, give us, go in depth, what you believe femininity is. I believe it's the natural energy that God has gifted women to have. When you look at true femininity, it is extremely powerful. And this is why we as men who date women um, have to be careful about attaching ourselves to the wrong woman because the feminine energy is very powerful. Um, A man can connect with a woman whose feminine feminine energy causes his entire life to go astray. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember early in my, when I was like 19, 20 years old, I was with this, 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 young lady that that I met and I was my nose was wide open bro and she exploited my you know the state of my mind at that time um I was just talking to a friend of mine a long time actually an ex-girlfriend of mine from back in the day and we was talking about it and I was like man when I was with that person I was a fool like I, I was made a fool of like a public I looking back at myself I openly allowed that situation to make me look like a fool because I didn't realize what I looked like, <laughs> you know, and, and that's the power of a woman. Um, that's the power of femininity. The other power of femininity is when you unite with the right woman, she will multiply you as a man. She will. The man brings the seed. The woman multiplies. it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm looking for a multiplier. <laughs> so I'm not trying to skate around the, the question, but honestly, Um, In a nutshell, I think the feminine energy is the natural energy that God gifts women with. And I think it should be celebrated. um, And I think it should be applauded. (laughs) Um, But I think, you know, unfortunately, a lot of times some women use it the wrong way. Thankfully, um, there's many, many women that, that use it the right way, that are aware of their feminine energy and embrace it and love it. They love being a woman. I like being with a woman that loves being a woman. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, that's that's sexy to me. Yeah. And what else? What up? What are the turn-ons for you? <laughs> we 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 go because my mind went to something. <laughs> I'm not. Are you just saying let's talk back. about let's what turns you on? Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. You're not getting me in trouble. Hey, I I told you, I'm following you, man. We talked about this before we came out. I'm following you. So, okay, okay, okay. So, okay, so let me ask you this here because I this is another reverse question because women look for men like their fathers, okay? They look for men like their fathers. I think that's a general statement, but I hear hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you know what I'm saying. So, Mm -hmm. well, some women, we'll say some, we'll put that in there. Some women look for men like their father. 
Now they, but they only know their dad as dad. Their mother knows him as husband. Mm -hmm. And their mom probably could say, I wouldn't marry him. He's not good material because she knows him in a different way than the daughter does. Mm -hmm. Do you find it that maybe your, and this is a great, a great thing. Do you think your mom, your grandmother, your sisters, do you think they molded your, your desires for that perfect woman? Do you think that they taught you what femininity is and they gave you what you look for in a woman? And do you think if they did give you what you look for a woman, do you think any woman could ever measure up to that? Whew. That's a lot to unpack. Joe is. It's um, the dope ass dude podcast. <laughs> um, I would say my mom and the women in my family taught me a lot about certain types of women. Um, I jokingly tell people, you know, um, maybe one of the reasons I'm single is because I have PTSD because of the women in my family. I have some very strong women in my family, and most of them are single. And so they take care of their own bills. They, they do their own thing. They don't need a man. They don't, some of them don't want a man. You know what I'm saying? So um, they taught me um, uh, certain things about uh, women. And I think there is something to the, the fact that, that men look for uh, men are attracted to things in a woman's character that remind them of their mother and vice versa for, for women. Um, But honestly, man, um, I, I would say, um, I probably look for, don't, if my mom is listening, please don't take this the wrong way. But my experiences with my mom, cause my mom having, when she was 18, I don't fault her for, you know, the mistakes she made when I was a kid that, you know, I, that, that traumatized me, you know, my mom was not a very, she was young, she was 18, you know what I'm saying? She yeah. was trying to find herself. She didn't know how to be a mother. She was dealing with her own issues and dealing with men she was dating. And I've been young and a a single dad and I've had to deal with some of those issues myself. So I don't fault her for it, but um, it wasn't the ideal childhood. Uh, My mom, we have a great relationship now. In fact, we talked today. I told my mom I booked a trip, a vacation trip to uh, California, and she called me immediately. We need to plan something. You know what I'm saying? Um, so we have a great relationship now, but when I was younger, we did not have a good relationship. In fact, there were probably years went by that I didn't even speak to my mother. Um, but, you know, throughout those years, I always heard that still small voice in my head from God saying, you know, honor your father and your mother. And I went through a season where I felt like why do I got to always be the one, you know, striving to keep a relationship with my mother and my father. Um, But I honor God more than I honor anything. That's the most important thing. And I know when God is speaking to me. So um, I was able to push through those negative emotions and feelings that I had toward my mom so that we could have a relationship today. And my mom went through uh, breast cancer. She had surgery. Um, you know, she had mastectomy and the whole nine yards. So I think that definitely seeing my mom go through that definitely softened my heart as it relates to her. Cause I was right there in the hospital when she was having surgery. I was there 
you know, I, I brought her home from the hospital when she had when she had her surgery. So um, but I think moreover what shaped my um, ideal. There is no ideal woman. And, you know, I don't expect a woman to be perfect. But I think what has shaped uh, my ideal woman is honestly a culmination of all of the great qualities of the women I've dated or been married to or interacted with throughout the year, throughout the years. Um, people ask me, you know, do you have a, do you have a type? I don't, I don't have a type. Um, feminine is my type. <laughs> now I have to be extraordinarily attracted to you. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's important. Attraction is very important to me. Um, and I'm not attracted to just anybody. <laughs> um, but um, in terms of the character of a woman, um, unfortunately, there's probably a lot more things that, that that I'm not willing to compromise on. You know, for example, if a woman has kids and she's not a good mother, that's a that's a no for me. I'm not going to date a woman that's not a good mother to her children. Um, you know, if a woman is not able to pay her own bills, that's a definite turn off to me. I got five daughters. You know what I'm saying? Like, but you're going to pay the bills. I, Real I'm, man? I'm going to pay the bills. You're right. <laughs> but I also need, again, somebody that can add to my program. I don't need a leech. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I just don't need that. So um, I need somebody. And she may not have all the money in the world, but she's got. Yes. Yes. Sex <laughs> is important. <laughs> sex is very important. Amen. <laughs> sex is very important. But you know, it's a lot that you got to go through before you get to that to that point. Most of the time, you know, sometimes sex is immediate, but um, usually you got to go through some things before you get to that point. Okay, 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 okay. Well, so I know my phone about to be about to be lit when I get off this one, and it's all you because I'm just being quiet and following your lead. In case they, oh, he led me into that. No, no, no. Okay. Okay. So what else? Is that all? Is that all? Because, you know, we, we talked about a couple of your turn-ons. Is there anything else that turns you on other than those things? Turns me on. Um, I like someone who is able to show their affection toward me. You know, it's having, I would say, one of my um, obstacles in opening up to love someone is feeling vulnerable. I think a lot of men struggle with that. Um, so um, when I know that I have someone in, in that that loves me for me, um, it makes it a little easier. Still not easy, but makes it easier. Yeah, and is that something you just know over time that they are a safe space for you, yeah. or? Yeah, through time, you know, we I think a lot of times relationships, especially with online dating and such, we things move way too quick. Right. You know, things move way too quick. And, and sometimes the energy uh, guides that. But um, I think you can only get to that level of comfort and uh, vulnerability over time. I just explained this to somebody. Uh, I don't remember who it was, but when, within the last day or so, um, you know, I heard a podcast where someone was talking about relationships and they said a relationship should be a race to the end of the line, meaning the other person is always putting the other person's need ahead of their own. That's difficult. 
because there has to be, both people have to be doing that in order to create that balance. Um, so ideally what I'm looking for is somebody I don't mind racing to the end of the line for. I'm putting their needs ahead of mine and I feel like they're doing the same thing. Um, you can only establish that with time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So let's get to our final thing, man. It's, we have like time has really flown here. I know you said, and I don't want to quote you on this here, but I think it said a nun religious minister. <laughs> oh Lord. He comes, this thing's about to, hold on, let's, okay, here we go. Yeah, so I am an ordained elder in a religious denomination that I will not name, but it is Pentecostal. Um, <laughs> however, I do not subscribe to all the religious rules of church folks, because I have studied the Bible from cover to cover, and most of the stuff we do in church ain't even in the Bible. Correct. Um, um it has taken me much trial and error to get to the point with religion, with established religion, where I uh, feel comfortable being who I am and letting the saints be who they are. Um, but yeah, um, I, I don't, I'm not, I, when I meet people and I explain, you know, my religious beliefs, I am a Christian. I believe in, in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Bible. Um, but I just don't, I don't, I'm not your normal Christian. I'm not your normal minister. There's a video on my, on my Insta, Instagram. I have a very religious aunt who lives in Ohio and we had a Christmas party, my family at my cousin's house. And there's a video that my aunt recorded that I'm trying, I'm, I'm freaking on my aunt, you know, my, my long dress wearing, you know, aunt who, Ain't about nobody but Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, that's just who I am. Like, I, I feel like my role in life is to help others loosen up and have fun and enjoy life. Um, whether other people do it or not, I fully intend to. So as a minister, I take trips to Miami and I turn up. Now, I'm not at the clubs. I'm not at the strip clubs. That's, a, that's what Atlanta's for. Anyway, I'm not at the clubs. I'm not at the strip clubs. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I enjoy life. You know, I'm not going to church 365 days a year. And that's it. When God gave us plains, he gave us mountains and oceans and beaches. And you know what I'm saying? All yeah. the wonderful things about life. I believe that's what it means when he, when it says that uh, Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So we can still use the influence that we have as Christians in a positive way and still enjoy life. And unfortunately in the uh, Pentecostal circles, they just, all they want to do is go to church. Yeah. 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 And you know, it's like, I think though, if the church retracts, cause they, they, they it's, it's a lot of stuff. The church is going to have to retract. Because and deal they, with, honestly, they really um, want to deal with some stuff. Honestly. Yeah, because, you know, I, I was thinking the other day when I grew up, you know, they used to tell women, if you wore pants, you're going to hell. And I, I was thinking, hell. like, how many women, like, life expired on earth believing they were sinning or wrong because they wanted to wear a pants because of false doctrine? And it's like... No, it's not false doctrine. That's dumb as hell. That's what it is. <laughs> Just like they, you know, in Pentecostal circles, you can't drink, you can't do that. The Bible doesn't say that. 
The Bible doesn't say that. And, and you know, the comedian rightfully points out Jesus' first miracle was changing water into wine. Now, people, the religious people dismiss that by saying right. that was a part of the time and you needed wine to clear your, to disinfect your, your, your gut and all that stuff. But they was having a party. And matter of fact, they was turned up so much, they ran out of liquor. And Jesus' mama came to him and said, son, what you going to do? Now, I'm not advocating liquor or wine. Right, 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 right. right. The problem with it. I'm just saying religious rules sometimes to me are dumb as hell, you know? And, you know, they, they want you to marry these women in the church. They have no personality. They're ugly. They, they, they don't know. How, you know, when I was married before Boy, I married. You are going to go down. I'm, listen, <laughs> I ain't marrying nobody ugly. And I ain't marrying nobody that ain't got no personality. You talk about marriage. You got to be married to them for the rest of your life. Who wants to be? Li- you know what I tell the people about that? My got to get, you know what I'm saying? So. Why would I marry somebody I'm not attracted to just because they saved salvation? He beautifies the meek with salvation, but he's going to have to give me somebody fine. That's what the Lord going to have to do with me. He's going to have to give me somebody fine. <laughs> you know, and that love the Lord. You know what I'm saying? You call the women in the church <laughs> ugly. You I didn't say ugly. all of them was ugly. I'm just saying the great propensity of people that actually go to church and love God <laughs> Ain't cute. These cute girls got too many distractions, and the church don't have an answer for it. So how do how how do how how do you think the church can change that? You know, change real, being real, being real. Well, they're forced to be real now. They're 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 being forced because the world is bringing them things that you can't sugarcoat anymore. You have to like acknowledge it and deal with it. So they're having to be. A little bit realer than what they've been in the past. I'll say that they're not completely woke yet, but they. When God up. is exposing the weaknesses in the church, yeah, you know, I think you know one of the things that I, I feel like the church has to do a better job is just being more relational. You know what I'm saying? You know, you think about it over the years, and I mean, even going back to my childhood when church was popular, um, I grew up at a time when it was fun to go to church. You know, all your friends went to church and sang in the choir, and you know. I, that was the time I grew up in, and now it's completely different. Uh, yeah. But, you know, what what we have to learn how to do is we have to just learn how to be relational. You know, going back in the day, you and even to now, you know, it's people want to invite people to come. To, that's your, people's way of witnessing is inviting them to come to church. Well, guess what? Everybody ain't coming to church. Some people don't want to have nothing to do with church. And be very honest with you, I think that's okay. <laughs> some people don't want to be Christians. Yeah. I can't say whether or not I think that's okay because they might kick me out of the church if I answer that question. <laughs> but the point that I'm trying to make is, is just be relational. And, you know, you don't have to win everybody. The Bible says some plant, some water, but it's God that gives the increase. And I think too many times we as Christians, we as people who, who love God, we want to see somebody change so much that we're not willing to let God do the work that he wants to do in their life. You know, we want to we want them to come to church and instantly start want the women to stop wearing pants and start wearing long dresses. That's that's stupid. You know, let God change 
within people what he wants to change and realize that some things that are within people that the church doesn't agree with ain't going to change. Yeah. And that's okay too. Yeah. So Patrick, when life expires for you here on earth, what is it that you want people to remember about you? Like, what is it that you believe people will in 10 years after you've, you know, expired, they will say about you? Um, Patrick made us smile. He made us think. He made us laugh. And he was always trying to have fun. I love that. Love that. And I think you're doing an exceptional job because, like I said, man, I just know you through your IG page and that energy like it comes through. So, I, I mean, I from what I can see, you're doing an amazing job. So how can they connect with you other than TikTok and IG? I mean, is that where you want people to go follow you if they want to yes. talk to you, book you to be on their podcast? IG and TikTok is where it's at. More so IG. Um, I like uh, I think, you know, I won't give you my opinion of Facebook. I think Facebook is filled with people with, that cuckoo with, for Cocoa Puffs. The ugly church women. <laughs> <laughs> they all on Facebook, Doc. <laughs> all the fine chicks is on IG. Boy, you are going down, buddy. You going down. Oh okay, my god. You know what? I'm still gonna do me. So it's all good. <laughs> this has been real. Before everybody log out tonight, please go and click on like and then not only like, go on IG and TikTok and follow Patrick. Like I say, he put place places good content out there it's always some way he's going to make you smile or brighten up your day just scrolling you'll see one of his pictures and you can feel his energy so go follow him on tiktok where he said preferably ig so follow him on ig and then also just a reminder you know if you want to catch this podcast again on the go it's on apple Podcasts. you can find it there google Podcasts, spotify and tiktok and Patrick, thank you so much for coming on here tonight, man. My this pleasure. has been amazing. This has My been amazing. Pleasure. Thanks for having me, buddy. Yes, sir. And everyone, we will see you next week. Uh, the guy for next week, he's similar to Patrick a little bit. He got divorced in his 40s. And he decided that for 19 months, he was not going to date or have sex. So we'll be talking about his journey. Patrick's eyes went up when I said that. So yeah, <laughs> y'all tune in next Monday at 7 p.m. for the season finale. Everyone, thank you for tuning in. Peace. Brother, you are